All right, there we go. I figured this thing out. Welcome in everybody to Off of the Helmets, presented by our friends at DSP Media and DSPMediaOnline.com is our website. DSP Media Productions everywhere. You can find me, and you probably are today, hopefully, finding me on YouTube. I hope everything is going great for you guys. Listen, we got a different show because, well, it's been a while. We just suffered a stunning loss at Green Bay, who had lost five straight games, who had a quarterback who appeared to be pouting over not getting what he wants. And you had a team that was 195-0, and went ahead by 14 points going into the fourth quarter. And afterwards, you got players saying stuff like, this shit's going to happen when guys are doing their own thing. Another guy said, and it was an important guy, Micah Parsons, this was a disgusting collapse. Pretty strong. Doesn't mind that he's heard. Dan Quinn came back and said, I totally believe that we have the right group of guys here, specifically he is talking about, that will tackle better and that will fill gaps better and be more responsible for each other. It's a first for all that. And it gets tougher at Minnesota and at the New York Giants. So here we are with Off of the Helmets presented by DSP Media. I'm Brady Tinker. Normally, boom, we would do a little open and we fire some music in there, but we're live. So just imagine that it was really grand. And I'm going to say this right now. All that coming up next. 31-28, the Cowboys lose in stunning fashion in overtime to the Green Bay Packers. A game they were sloppy at the beginning. Interceptions, turnovers led to 14 points for the Packers, but back come the Cowboys before halftime to get this game even. And I'm impressed. And I'm like, pretty good. Brush it off. Keep going. You're the better team. 14 unanswered points in the third quarter put the team up 28-14. And you don't lose going to the fourth quarter up 14 points when you're the Dallas Cowboys with this defense. But you did. And what happened is disappointing because Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon came into this game and everybody knew it. You knew it. Aaron doesn't even throw the ball. He doesn't even have anybody to throw the ball to. Fuck it. What are they going to do? They are going to, on a cold weather day, in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, going to run the ball with who? Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. How'd they do? 204 yards between them, an average of 5.7 yards per carry. And yet, the Packers started slowly. A missed field goal opportunity missed. Turnovers given to them missed. Uh, they're not doing anything that makes you feel like, uh-oh, they're doing things that make you feel like, yep, that's what it looks like when a good team's term sh turns shitty. That's what it looked like. And then it all came full circle. Dak threw two interceptions that now when we dive deeply into them, we find out we're probably both receiver issues, but not all the receiver's fault. Now, people have stood up for Dak, especially the head coach, and said, listen, both of those throws are boom, 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 hit your back foot, turn it loose, timing routes. You can't wait to see if a guy's open. That's especially true when you're throwing the ball into the end zone or in the red zone, okay? Because most teams will be in a dime package at that time. You'll have seven versions of cornerbacks or, or backfield mates covering three or four guys. So there's not a lot of time to look around. Unless you're Mahomes and you can move around and keep a play alive somehow, because Dak seems to be as good an athlete as Pat Mahomes, but he just doesn't translate. Unless you're him, there is no time to F around 
with what's going to happen in the red zone. You know the route that's going to be run. You know the tight end is going to cross in front of the face of the safety and he's going to turn around because he's done it perfectly for the most part for the last two and a half, three years with Dak Prescott, only he didn't. After the game, Dalton Schultz said he got bumped off his route a little bit so that instead of being prepared to get inside the safety and cross to our right, he was literally regaining his balance and in such a terrible position, he tried to run behind the safety and hook around and come behind him. It, it never worked. C.D. Lamb then did something very similar, only it feels to me like it was different because, and we're going to get to this, but C.D. Lamb had 150 yards and two touchdowns. So what kind of a-hole am I saying it wasn't a good game? But aren't we to the point where C.D. Lamb wears 88, whether he wanted to or not, Knows he's the number one. Gallup's not completely healthy yet. Noah Brown is still going to be coming off of his injury. And Dalton Schultz mostly runs seven-yard routes. Who's in charge? Who's going to make Dak better? C.D. Lamb and those hips and those fast feet and all of those wonderful things that he can do. That's who, because he's going to run exact routes. He's not going to drift. He's not going to see something that he just doesn't think is going to work and essentially quit on the player, make up something else. He's not going to do that, only he does. It's very Des, really, to be honest with you. It's very Des. And so 150 yards and two touchdowns, but a key sloppy-ass route that leads to a turnover that puts your team behind the eight ball? He's not there yet. He's not there yet. After the game... The young man that none of us had ever heard of, Rudy Ford, who has been a career special teams guy, to be honest with you, on a couple of different teams, comes to his locker room in Green Bay, and it's Rudy, Rudy, right? Special teams ace Rudy, who'd had one interception in his career in six years, gets two key picks, and essentially they're both thrown right to him. He drops to where he's supposed to drop to. He turns around. The person, the wide receiver, the tight end, supposed to cross in front of his face. They don't. And guess what? He gets hit between the two and the zero. I'm pretty sure he was number 20. I felt like I was getting intimate with Rudy because every time I turned around, he had the damn football. 14 points scored by Green Bay on two interceptions in the first half, yet the Cowboys got back to 14 all at halftime. Adjustments conversations, no panic, all the things that we all wanted to see. Then they make adjustments, and the Cowboys come out and score 14 unanswered. And the third, it's 28-14. You're in good shape. We good. And that was, by the way, 21 unanswered points because you were behind 14-7. to So from 14-7 to to 28-14, to that's 21 unanswered. But in the fourth quarter, the team that normally statistically this year has been Closing out games, something like 53 to 22, the Cowboys going into this game had scored that many more points than their opposition. You're closing out games with Zeke and Pollard, with timely throws, with defenses getting turnovers and sacks, all of those things. That team that had outscored other teams 53-22 scored zero points on the fourth quarter. Zero. Had the ball with two minutes and 30 seconds left and timeouts and went three and out. Those are the things that you worry about. I still worry about this. Am I a Dak Prescott fan? Absolutely. Do I think I, I accused him the first five or six weeks as he's coming back of not being healthy, of there being lower body issues? I don't think I see that anymore. So the thumb seems to be pretty good, which is the real reason he was out. And then the lower body stuff seemed to have taken care of itself with rest. But throughout Dak's career, 
He's been decent at finishing halves and games. Decent, I guess, statistically, I can find that. But does it not occur to you that Dak Prescott hasn't been, at least maybe since year two or three, the guy who gets the ball at the end of game or at the end of halves, and you're like, he's going to go down and get what we need. We need a field goal to tie. We're good, and we might actually score a touchdown. Has he been that guy? Or maybe more importantly, has this offense been that offense? Mari Cooper's on the sidelines late in games. He didn't really care. Injuries, offensive line issues, inconsistencies, whatever it may be. Did you think with two minutes and 20 seconds left in the game, the Cowboys had the ball, their own 25-yard line, that they were going to go down and, and score and win? I kind of did. I kind of did because the mojo of this team, the attitude of this team has been very together, very tough. We are underappreciated, unloved, except in our tightest of cowboy circles. No one thinks they're we're that good. That's that's been sort of a narrative that has driven this team. So I, I kind of thought they were going to. Everybody's healthy, everybody's out there. You got pretty much everybody except for Zeke. And certainly it makes a difference, and we will get to that. Uh, no matter what his yards per carry are, Zeke makes a tremendous difference in here and on the field uh, to Dak and to everyone on that offense. So that does matter. In the end, the Cowboys lose 31-28 in overtime, and you got run over physically, but maybe more importantly, you had sort of a step back in that the running game that you knew was coming for the Green Bay Packers generated 204 yards out of two running backs. It's not like that's a new issue. That has been one of those quiet issues of, man, they need to tackle better, right? But who's really going to say the defense isn't doing well? Not me. I'm not going to say that. They don't have as many turnovers as they did, but they have lots more sacks. They get quarterback pressures. They get quarterback hits. Uh, penalties were down. I'm, I'm not going to say that they're doing anything. I'm just going to say it's one of the things you're working on with a 6-2 and two team is tackling a little bit better and mostly it's the skinny corners because they're skinny because there's seven of them or seven some version of that on the field at almost all times during a dime defense which this team runs a lot there are a lot of eyeballs when they play zone looking at the football and knowing where it is so as you come flying up to the football to make tackles with running backs and or tight ends this team has been marginally unwilling mostly I want to grab your foot I don't really want this collision that's coming um, Tim, there we go. All right, there we go. I don't know what happened there. Uh, anyway, so those, those are things. 31-28, your team loses. Now, when you go back and dissect this, you look and you say, really? Dak threw 48 passes. I thought we were a defense run first football team. That's what I thought. But Dak threw 48 passes. Now, there were also 79 plays. I think the average number of plays for a Cowboys game offense is 66, so 79 plays. Yes, there was overtime, but that's a lot of plays. But still, 48 passes by Dak Prescott. And you've got an offensive coordinator that not recently, but eh, somewhere maybe in training camp, was quoted as saying, you know, I have to check myself or I'd pass on every down. Loves to throw the ball. Got a good quarterback. Got some receivers. Throw the ball. Except... That he had to get away from that when Dak Prescott wasn't playing because Cooper Rush was a quarterback and we weren't going to throw the ball, hopefully, more than 20 times, 20, 21 times. You're rolling with this defense who's grasped the responsibility of letting this season, not letting the season go in the tank. The running game is better than we thought. A lot more zone schemes. Uh, Pollard and Zeke are doing well. The offensive line is shockingly holding up in almost every position. 
And so we're a running team. We're a defensive team with a running disposition. Then, then all of that then creates opportunities for us to have successful passes. That's what it was with Cooper Rush. But Dak is back, and the offensive coordinator likes to throw the football. And he keeps thinking, and Dak keeps thinking, that C.D. Lamb is really good. Talented? Hell yes. Athletic? Yes. Young, fast, great hips? Yes. Yes on all that. Really good at the game of football at being a number one wide receiver on a team that all of us think maybe is a really good playoff team with, with, with great depth? No. Because damn near every game, C.D. Lamb makes a critical mistake or two. And I'm not even talking about the errant holding or block in the back every now and then. I'm talking about route running. And he knows the plays. So very Des is that he runs down the field and doesn't see what he thinks he's going to see for the route that he's running and assumes Dak will come off of it and just won't throw him the ball. Or he makes up something different other than what they practice every single fucking day. So he's not a great wide receiver. He's not genuinely a one. Listen, Aaron Rodgers has been throwing the ball to Devontae Adams for 10 years. And you might as well, before every time he says hike on big plays, say, I'm throwing it to him, that big bastard over there. He's going to run a great route. And when he runs a great route, I'm going to have it on time. And we're going to complete the passes we want 85% of the time. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's what great quarterbacks and great wide receivers and chemistry do. Doesn't even matter what you're going to do. Unless you're going to put three guys around him, I'm throwing it to him. Put three guys around him, I'll throw it over here. That, that doesn't exist here. And we're going to get to this. Well, let's just go ahead and get to it now. Since that doesn't exist, aren't the Cowboys in a spot? They've been working on math and contracts and language for an Odell Beckham Jr. contract for what is it, three weeks. Uh, I'd imagine they have 15 different versions uh, there on the phone. What's taking so long, you want to know? Odell's not ready either to come in and deal with us and work the Cowboys system physically yet. He's been cleared to, quote, practice or to work out. We, we were told that by his doctors. But if he was 100% healthy and he was bouncing on his toes, wouldn't he want to be here? Because he's going to choose the team that eh, probably gives him the best contract combined with the fact has a chance to go deepest into the playoffs. And it's a warm weather team. All of those things. Guess what? There's really only one of those left on the docket. Kansas City ain't that. Green Bay ain't that. Philadelphia isn't that. Buffalo's not that, right? Now, they're all potential playoff teams except for Green Bay. But those are cold weather teams playing in outdoor stadiums. He wants to be where it's warm. We all know that. So aren't they in a spot because Odell Beckham now seems more than a luxury or more than an add-on. He seems a necessity because as brilliant as he is and as much as you remember the one-handed catches and all the things that he could do physically, what Odell Beckham is good at is running routes, being where he's supposed to be. And that's how he ended up with, I can't remember whether it was three or four touchdowns in the playoffs last year for the Rams. But those are, those are big plays because he wasn't great for them the eight games before the playoffs started, and he was great in the playoffs. He was on time, right where he was supposed to be, foot in the ground, turning around, showing the numbers, and the quarterback, while he had Cooper Cup over here, threw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. a lot. Why? Because he's open. Because he runs good routes, because he knows where he's supposed to be, and he is where he's supposed to be. Long explanation to say, Odell Beckham is no longer something that it would be nice to have to make this team better, to add to your roster 
when issues with running the proper route continue to crop up with your A-level receiver or your number one, it's not a luxury anymore. You fucking got to have Odell Beckham Jr. on this team, which also means Steven's probably going to have to swallow on a 2.5-year contract the rest of this year, prorated, whatever it is. Roughly, when I'm talking about that, probably $18 million a year, maybe 20. Now you're all like, are you fucking kidding? We got we gave away Amari Cooper for a bag, couple of bags of beans in the fifth or sixth round or something like that, and he made $20 million, and he's younger, and that's probably who we should have here if we're paying someone $20 million. A couple things on that. One, Amari Cooper tended to be standing on the sidelines looking around like this during key downs. Bored, not enough plays called his way. Quarterback won't force him the football, whatever it may be. He's standing amongst the trees like this. He did it in Oakland in his first year, in his second year, in his third year. Came to Dallas and he blew us all away because he's, when he's right, one of the most precise, pristine, premier route runners in the NFL. And he's got that T.O. breakaway speed where he doesn't look like he's that fast, but you're chasing him and you still can't catch him. And he's everything a wide receiver should be except completely interested or engaged. Cowboys tired of that. They felt similar about L. Collins. They felt similar and or were just pissed at Randy Gregory. So all three of you, move along. Move along. You're all expensive. You're all kind of bitches, and we're going to do it ourselves. And then you use the first round and a second round draft pick to cover up the offensive lineman and the defensive end. And so far, check, it's worked. But you depended on this receiver core as it was with the addition of a Pittsburgh wide receiver that may come eventually in play or may not. That was never all that good. Other than that, this is it. Noah Brown's going to step up. He's going to get better. It's a great story. I love Noah Brown. I think he's gimpy right now. That's why he's not open very often. He doesn't look as good as he did in week three, four, five. And then it's CD, and then it's Gallup, who's coming off a major injury, another major injury, who looks pretty good sometimes and not so great other times. And then it's Dalton Schultz, who's playing on a bum ACL. So you don't have enough, in truth, to do what I've been saying for the last four weeks you start, you need to start getting to, and that is, can you depend on your offense when you're behind? I saw it from down 14-7 to up 28-14 for a minute despite silly turnovers and despite bad route running, I saw it. So you're starting to see glimmers of it. But the truth was in 48 pass attempts, Dak's completion percentage was around 57%. That's not that good either. So Odell Beckham is no longer someone you'd like to add to the cherry on top. He is necessary if you're going to go where this team thinks it's going to go. And for the first time, We're at a place that we haven't been really since week number one, and that is doubts. Week number one, Dak got hurt. I was like, damn, I can't believe I have to cover this team and talk about this team in a three-win season. And really, most of what I'm going to talk about is, are they drafting a quarterback? And now do we have to figure out how to get rid of Dak? That's really what I thought was going to happen after week one. But then everything got good. The head coach stepped in the the defensive coordinator stepped in and said i got this you just don't fuck your side up i got this and we'll get this quarterback right enough he's confident enough he's been around this offensive coordinator his entire career we're good with that and all of a sudden we weren't thinking about those things anymore no doubts in our mind listen the defense is impenetrable the running game is better than we thought the mindset is right the head the coaching staff 
the the two coordinators and the head coach are all on the same page. This is pretty damn good. And really, we haven't done a lot of this of, huh, I wonder if we suck or if we're just not good enough. Roster issues. Deep, deep enough at defensive tackle to really impact stopping the run? Wide receiver, I think we all agree no. Offensive line, what happens when Terrence Steele, you ever thought you'd say this? What the hell happens when Terrence Steele gets hurt? <laughs> kind of made myself giggle. I don't know what the answer to that is. Coaching now called into question. Why not kick that field goal in Lambeau? Now, I know why. When you kick towards the north end, especially, I, I have I have not been to Lambeau, but I have great dear friends that are at every single game. And I was texting them during the game saying, did he make the right decision? And he, both guys said, yes. When you kick to the north end zone, the wind blows all directions. You saw our kicker missing the north end zone from 48. Chances that your guy's making it from 52, it's gotten colder later in the day aren't very good and then you give the ball up where the ball was snapped and put down and that's even worse field position and you know what your team should be able to get three yards and get a first down probably the right choice and and i thought that too to be honest with you i thought that too um and the other thing is and it happened a couple times during the game and this is back to coaching if you didn't want to kick that field goal and you had third and three why didn't you run the ball third and three give yourself a chance to run the ball then fourth and one fourth and two those things that that happened at least twice during the game, right? If you're if you think you're going forward on fourth down, then you don't throw some option pass or some pass where it's either flatly going to be complete or incomplete. You throw a pass that gives you two or three little options to at least nudge the ball forward two or three yards, right? That's what you do. And they didn't do it a couple of times. So now I'm talking about coaching again. And I'm wondering about an offensive coordinator that threw 46 fucking passes against the Green Bay Packers when the worst thing they do is play run defense. Talking about all that. Talking about a defensive coordinator for the first time who we all assume is going to be head coach somewhere, maybe here, maybe somewhere else, because, well, he created the Legion of Boom all by himself in Seattle with a bunch of fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks. And then he's done this to this Dallas defense in the last two years. He's gone. But now I'm wondering, how many times, how many weeks do you have to talk about tackling being an issue? What else do you do? Or is it just in front of the sleds, on the cords, moving your feet, talking about angles and, and um, leverage, which they've been talking about since they were eight years old to make tackles? Is that is that what you're back to with cornerbacks and safeties who aren't tackling very well? I don't know. But you're the defensive coordinator. Or do you scheme it up better or ask for more hustle so that a skinny cornerback doesn't want to tackle a 215-pound wide receiver, well, he doesn't have to do it himself. He squares himself up, he gets the proper angle, and he gets help. I don't know. But those are all things that we really hadn't been thinking about. It's easy to say, yeah, shore up these things. We're 6-2. and two. We haven't really lost a game that we shouldn't have lost, right? Tampa, we were never ready for week one uh, against Tampa. Never, not even close. We all saw that. And then losing to Philly with Cooper Rush at the quarterback uh, after such a nice run. Listen. Those two teams were in different places. Philadelphia was in a, a perfect place mentally, physically, and with their depth and with their quarterback, and the Cowboys were not. So at 6-2, and two, you really don't have a loss sitting here. Almost everybody else in the NFL has. Kansas City lost to Indy, Buffalo lost to the Jets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You really, until this week, didn't have that loss. 
but you kind of do now because Green Bay came in scuffling, not offering up much. There were a lot of tickets for sale at Lambeau that Cowboys fans could have had or anybody else could have had. A lot of season ticket holders did not go. Yes, it was full there and it was loud, but I know there were tickets to be had. People are down on Aaron, down on this team. How could you have let Devontae go? Why haven't you helped him with more wide receivers? Why is he such a bitch? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Packers fans are, are, are tired of it and had no thought that they really had a chance to win that game until you got into the fourth quarter. So it's different. We haven't talked about this. This is what a season is. We got, what, seven games left. Is that right? So there's so much left to happen positively or negatively. But certainly it does seem right now that Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer something that would be nice to have, a player that would be nice to have. He's a player that seems damn near absolutely necessary to have. To bring a disposition, isn't that funny, to bring a disposition with how the wide receiver position is played, with how routes are run, with the precision with with which things have to work in the passing game in the NFL. Because the truth is when teams are in nickel and dime and there's six or seven guys in the secondary covering three or four receivers, you have to be on time. The windows are going to be smaller. The ball has to be thrown harder. The receivers have to run their routes exactly to the depth and to the number of steps that they are supposed to run. And if you've watched any TV this week, you heard Shannon Sharp and everyone else who ever played at a high level in this game saying, are you kidding me? The receivers for the Dallas Cowboys hung their quarterback out to dry. You have to cross the face of the, of the safety. He's going to do it every time. And Shannon even said, it was not my favorite, but he was a hell of a player, even said, listen, if I couldn't get to it, so Schultz apparently got bumped off of his route and he's not going to get to where he's supposed to be. He's like, you know what I did? I ran into the safety. If nothing else, he wasn't going to intercept a pass. I couldn't get to where I was going to get to, so I essentially tackled, shouldered, elbowed, or kicked the safety so at least the ball fell harmlessly to the ground or Dak Prescott realized he shouldn't throw the ball. But I, I've been convinced and I'm pretty close to convinced that both of those throws are throws that have to be made in a timely fashion and you have to assume the receiver is going to do the right thing. But as you watch it on TV and as I close my eyes and think about it now and I watch the routes of everything happening, did it ever look on either one of those plays where there were interceptions like the receiver was going to be where he was supposed to be? No. And so this is purely a question. Would Tom Brady have thrown those interceptions? Would Aaron Rodgers have thrown those interceptions? Pat Mahomes, whoever whoever you want to pick. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Doesn't get any easier. Let's hope it gets better. Minnesota is eight and one. Now, if you watch that game, they were lucky. They were beat most of the game. They hung around. They put up a valiant effort at the end. And in the end, in an untenable situation with Buffalo standing in their own end zone with 30 seconds left to go in the game. The quarterback comes up and is going to quarterback sneak, but he all needs it to kind of happen quickly, and he basically never gets the snap. The ball falls on the ground. The end zone, Minnesota falls on it, scores a touchdown, and they win the game. Doesn't matter. Good teams win close games. Good teams get lucky. The teams that are prepared the best, that are emotionally and mentally the strongest, that have the proper mental disposition as well as physical disposition, good things happen to those teams. And we watch those teams year in and year out get into the playoffs, and we think to ourselves, I don't want to play that team. San Francisco very often is that team. Baltimore very often is that team. Think of the physical teams. The Steelers forever were that team. I don't want to play that team. I mean, I'd almost rather play Kansas City, right? Pat terrifies me. 
but they're an offensive driven team that has never really been what you would call a hard nosed team. They win a lot of games because Pat's great. And Andy Reid's the best offensive coordinator or creator of plays maybe in the history of the league, or at least top two or three. That's why they win a lot of games. But I'd rather play that team a lot of times than I would the old Steelers or Ravens or Packers or those teams that just generally do things right. And you're like, God, I don't think we want any of that, right? It's going to be a physical brouhaha fucking brawl. Are we up for that, right? That's what you're going to get in Minnesota. That's what you're going to get the next week for the New York Giants. And if you look at this schedule, it's not brutal, but you got Philadelphia coming to town the 24th, and all of you may be saying, we got that. We got that. They, The coach made fun of us and screamed, fuck you, across the field at our coach, and it was nasty nonsense, and he didn't kneel down during the opportunity with last, whatever, minute and a half left to go in the game. He kept running plays. All of it was to jab this team in the side, the Cowboys team, and let them know we're the Eagles. We're better than you. We're going to be better than you all year. And all of us think, fuck you. That's not true. We got you Christmas Eve. It's going to be the greatest Christmas present we've had. But now we're wondering. Minnesota's 8-1. and one. They lead the AFC North. They will win the AFC North. The Cowboys are a very respectable 6-3. and three. They just suffered what is essentially their first loss that all of us are not very happy about, if that's right. That all of us feel like, hmm, hmm. Was it the early turnovers? Was it receivers doing stupid shit? Was it five 15-yard penalties? Five? Are you fucking kidding me? Five 15-yard penalties in one game? A stacks of penalties? Time, untimely mistakes where you get 8, 10, 12. You run the play that the offensive coordinator really wanted to run, and it really went well, and it's all coming back. It's all coming back. It's all coming back. This is the shit that you dealt with towards the end of the year last year that sent you into the playoffs not feeling good about yourself. That's what you saw in Green Bay. The Cowboys are 6-3. and three. They are traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, who have the world's best wide receiver, who now just traded for one of the best tight ends in the NFL, who have one of the best running backs in football. And I severely doubt their quarterback in the biggest of moments. But this game's at 3 o'clock. It's in Minnesota. Not everyone's watching. It's not a national game. This is not a typical Kirk choke game. This is going to be a very hard game for the Dallas Cowboys to win. And what we all want to see is, what is their disposition? What do we hear the rest of the week? And I'll get you some reports from the star. What do we hear in the locker room? Wasn't bothered, but I was a little surprised to hear people say, this shit's going to keep happening until people continue, until people stop ad-libbing their jobs. And I first, it came from a defender, and I thought, okay, people are out of their gaps. That's why they're running situation. Then I kind of figured it out. It's also the wide receivers are ad-libbing, and the tight end apparently ad-libbed or just didn't get there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is this thing's gotten a little bit loose at six and two, maybe slightly overconfident. I don't know how that happens. Maybe they were too emotional at the beginning of this game because I know they love Mike McCarthy. They really do. And they wanted to win for Mike so badly that maybe they started out loose and fast and off kilter. And the turnaround to get to 14 all at halftime was really a good thing. And 14 and unanswered in the third quarter was a great fucking thing. And now that the game's over and go win the game. You know what we're all saying? Some things to clean up there. The interceptions are silly. Tackling wasn't as good as we wanted to, but another win. You go to uh, Green Bay and get one for Mike, and let's go. Uh, let's go on to Minnesota. We'll see you there. We don't have any problem with that, but now you don't feel that way. So I'm really interested. Rick Carlisle used to always say, our disposition needs to be better, and I think that that's the truth. Are we we on defense? Because that's what we've all thought. Are we we? Do we... 
<laughs> I just turned French. Do, do we all pull in the same direction? Are we all, God, I've been telling you, 18 guys playing every week on defense, playing at least 15 more a plays or more. That means a whole bunch of happy people, a whole bunch of guys who are keeping their legs fresh, a whole bunch of other guys who are getting opportunities to play that didn't think they were going to, everyone getting a chance to make money, to get contracts, to go to Pro Bowls. Everything is kumbaya and glorious. Only now you have a defensive coordinator that has to come up and say, I certainly believe we have the right guys to fix this. It's worrisome. And it's worrisome when you're six and three and you're traveling to Minnesota. So we'll see what happens. I'll see you Friday on Off With The Helmets right here, up courtesy of DSP Media. I'm Brady Tinker.